As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is Action and Ambition, the show that takes you all over the world to share interviews with the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their backstory, get the most important lessons they've learned on their road to success, and hear exclusive tips on how to implement their success in your own life. Action and Ambition is brought to you by Entrepreneur Magazine and your host, Andrew Metal. Welcome to the Action and Ambition podcast. I'm your host today, Chase Geyser. And with this, we have a very special guest. Ember Erickson is the co-founder and head of revenue at Byproxy, the first exclusive investment marketplace for commercial real estate. Evolving the marketplace concept, Byproxy strategically uses technology to connect serious buyers, sellers, and brokers of commercial real estate. Ember, it is an honor and a pleasure to have you on the Action and Ambition podcast. How are you today? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So where does this journey begin for you? When you graduated from high school, do you think I'm going to go straight into commercial real estate? <laughs> um, absolutely not is the short answer. Um, I grew up in Montana. Um, so, you know, in the 90s, late 80s, early 90s, uh, Montana, commercial real estate was, um, you know, sort of limited to the what you would see, uh, mm-hmm. not huge skyscrapers, ranches, those types of things. Um, my path to commercial real estate actually uh, came through technology. Um, so I graduated from college and kind of jumped feet first into, um, into advertising and marketing and found myself, uh, really enjoying sort of like the software as a service space, uh, for marketing and sales. Um, through that, uh, through many iterations, I was introduced to my now co-founders, Gordon Smith and Tab Satterfield. Um, and originally the conversation started off as like, Hey, we have all this real estate experience uh, in commercial and, and commercial real estate technology. We are thinking about starting a company. Uh, you have a background in software as a service sales and marketing. Um, would you be willing to have a conversation? Uh, long story short, got connected with them and, and now by proxy exists. Wow. So what was it like for you sort of graduating from the marketing and advertising space into co-founder status? Uh, it's still an ongoing, uh, sort of exploration. Um, it's a lot. So for me, I come through, I come to this through the lens of of technology and sort of, you know, what that looks like to sort of build a product and sell it, uh, to the market. I spent most of my time in enterprise software as a service, um, commercial real estate. What really got me excited about that is that it is the world's largest asset class. 
Um, you know, it, it, it is arguably one of the oldest asset classes, um, but it's been relatively slow to adopt from a technology standpoint. Um, so for me, the opportunity felt really, really big and really, really meaningful. Um, so jumping into sort of co-founder status in an industry that I that I don't have a ton of formal experience in um, is a little bit daunting, um, but I am fortunate enough to have two co-founders who are very much, you know, steeped in commercial real estate expertise uh, and knowledge. It's interesting that you mentioned uh, commercial real estate is sort of one of the oldest industries because uh, I was recently watching uh, some YouTube videos about Pompeii <laughs> and it's crazy <laughs> that you know you can see like the, uh, the the menus of the restaurants and things still sort of plastered on the buildings uh, from you know thousands of years ago um, and it's funny how things are always the same yet always changing it seems like. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think the challenge for us and one of the things sort of being an industry outsider as such, um, that that's very interesting to me. It took me a while to sort of put my finger on why I feel this way. Commercial real estate has historically made a lot of money for a few people. Mm. Um, so I think there is sort of this challenge with commercial real estate in terms of like, how can we apply technology to improve processes to an industry that's sort of... <laughs> been built by the few for the few, you know? Um, so that to me has been, has been a really interesting nut to crack. Um, you know, I'm not going to say democratization of commercial real estate because that would be <laughs> too obvious. Sure. Um, but it is really that it, it's sort of applying technology and best business practices to an industry where people have historically profited hugely off of it um, with the way that things have always been done. This, the status quo in this industry is, um, is an incredible challenge to overcome. So when did you begin the, uh, the journey to start this project specifically? Yeah, so by proxy, we're actually in by proxy version 2.0. Um, I think other uh, startup founders can can probably empathize with this. Um, <laughs> but my proxy was started in 2018, not by myself um, and Tabitha and Gordon, but Gordon and a couple of other people. And really, you know, you said, <laughs> you said something interesting, like, you know, it started off to be sort of a Zillow for commercial real estate, because um, fun I fact see. that that doesn't necessarily exist. Um, in residential real estate, you have the MLS, which is, um, mm -hmm. you know, you, everyone's familiar with the MLS that doesn't exist for commercial. So by proxy started to sort of address and be the MLS, I'm using air quotes, um, for sure. commercial real estate. And with that, you know, there were a lot of challenges. Um, there's sort of one industry giant that has dominated the conversation on that front. Um, but no one's really kind of been able to do that. Um, one of our competitors, actually, um, it's a company by the name of Crexy. They have done really, really well in that arena. Um, they were quick to move. They were quick to sort of start aggregating listings. Um, and they've done a really good job. Uh, and so I think for by proxy, we sort of see them having success in that space. And our core differentiators are a little bit different. So we have sort of evolved into by proxy 2.0, roundabout answering your question, um, we've sort of shifted away from being um, an exclusive market player, just a marketplace to be more of an exclusive marketplace. And so that journey for by proxy uh, started about a year ago. So we relaunched 
last year. Um, we are actually having our one year anniversary uh, as we speak, October. Congratulations. Thank you. So what's it been like in the commercial real estate startup space, sort of in the context of coming out the backside of this pandemic? That's a great question. Um, it was actually very, uh, it was a curious conversation. Um, you know, obviously the office sector got hammered, right? Um, I think we're still grappling with what offices look like, um, you know, in a post-pandemic world, um, you know, in terms of the way that people are either coming back to office or not, or thinking about their their requirements for that. Um, so I think office is sort of in a category all of its own. Um, some of the other categories like retail and multifamily had a, had their best year ever in 2021, actually. Um, so I think there was sort of a lot of negativity around real estate in general, when in actuality, um, industrial, um, obviously people got super into logistics and shipping and, and all of that kind of stuff that boomed during the pandemic. Um, the commercial commercial real estate was over $800 billion in 2021 in the US. Um, so I, other than office, um, I would say commercial real estate in general has been, um, has been sort of helped by the pandemic in a weird way. Now, what we're mm. dealing with on the back end and sort of what I'm saying, what I'm seeing as a more real threat is sort of the fallout, um, you know, what's happening with interest rates, uh, what's happening with, um, you know, pricing expectations. I think what we're about to go into is going to have a much more material effect on commercial real estate than the pandemic ever did. Interesting. Now, is is part of the explanation as to why commercial real estate is done well, just sort of because of the turnover? So when a bunch of restaurants go out of business, and then simultaneously a bunch of new business owners decide to start restaurants, then there's obviously a lot of transactions occurring in the real estate space, right? One party goes out, another party goes in, and the broker makes commission on the difference, right? So is is that sort of what we're seeing? Or is something else going on that sort of catalyzed this commercial real estate boom? That's a great question. Um, and I'm going to try to answer that in two parts. So okay. short answer is no. Um, the turnover, what happens with smaller restaurants generally is that they're, they don't own their real estate, they're leasing. Right. Um, so leasing activity is a little bit different. I'm talking specifically around um, like the investment sales or the buying and selling. Um, so it's not so much turnover. It was just that different industries had sort of a renaissance. Um, you would think that things like multifamily would be affected by the pandemic and yet they weren't. Um, so it was, it was a lot of net new growth and not a lot of turnover, mm. um, in, in that space. I think, um, sort of the breakout and, and I sound like a, like a broken record here, but just sort of the evolution of the, of the industrial industry over the pandemic, um, you know, people, looking at, you know, abandoned warehouses in the middle, you know, of the United States that that historically have just sat empty since like the 70s or the 80s. And now they're being repurposed into shipping facilities and, and sort of last mile um, logistics type of pieces. I think those were the things that really excelled during the pandemic. It was it was sort of like a, okay, it's time to think about things differently. And a lot of people were able to capitalize on that. Interesting. Have you seen any impact in the space just sort of based on the geopolitical climate right now? Obviously, there's a major war in Ukraine. There are sort of subtle reports for the um, uh, perceptive eye of 
major changes in the semiconductor industry with with China and United States relations. So are you starting to see some sort of like a renaissance or resurgence of manufacturing and logistics then in, in uh, stateside domestically um, in, in, in this sort of context or or not? Yeah, I think it's it's too early for me to tell, at least on my end of things from where I sit. I think that it is definitely something to to watch. Um, something that has sort of been a microcosm of all of that is the is the biosciences industry. Um, you know, that is effectively sort of industrial in a lot of ways, um, but it's very specialized. And so things like that, that um, that that are sort of growing the United States, um, those have been interesting to watch now in terms of geopolitical um, pieces. Uh, <laughs> I would be a very, very wealthy person if I could uh, predict that, <laughs> predict that one. I see. That makes sense. So what's something that you know now that you wish you had known when you started on this journey, um, you know, a little over a year ago? Oh, gosh. That's a, I mean, so many things, first of all. I mean, <laughs> I, I uh, just got off a, a call with, uh, with my co-founder, Tabitha, and we were revisiting a problem from about a year and a half ago. Um, and I think the one thing for me that has been really eye-opening um, is to is to question everything, right? Like you have to you have to sort of go forward with your plan and have confidence in what you're doing, but but also have sort of the courage to revisit decisions, um, have have hard conversations around what's working and what's not, um, and then kind of trusting your gut and trusting your judgment um, to sort of refine and move forward. Interesting, interesting to to hear you say um, uh, to trust your 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 intuition. Um, because there's, there's sort of this balance between like a hyper preparedness and, and a stagnation, right? There, there are a lot of people in the business space who, especially starting out, who want to prepare, 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 and they spend so much time preparing that they spend so little time doing. And then you see a lot of people who are hyper successful, who seem to prepare very little and be almost impulsive uh, in their decisions. But the, the fact that they're hyperactive is what catalyzes the success, regardless of any sort of. I don't know, lack of preparation. So what are your thoughts in terms of, from an entrepreneurship standpoint, in terms of balancing preparedness with action? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, and it is a balancing act. Luckily on our founding team, uh, we've got equal parts uh, preparedness and uh, <laughs> impulsive decision-making. Um, so I think, you know, making sure that you're sort of surrounding yourself. I'm, I'm very fortunate to have two co-founders. I know that, you know, solo entrepreneurs um, often express how lonely it is, um, you know, sort of trying to handle all the pieces themselves. I think that if you truly understand the problems that you're solving, the, the value that your business is creating for your customers, you already have the foundation and the framework sort of like intrinsically in your core which makes sort of like these ancillary decisions pretty easy to make. Um, you know, when you have sort of this canon against which to sort of judge your decisions, um, you can do those pretty, you can make them pretty quickly if you, if you are kind of going back to like, okay, these are our core tenets. This is what we're trying to accomplish. Um, does this fit or does it not? Or is it something that we need to explore? Um, I, I do think that sort of like the preparation is is in the foundation and just kind of showing up every single day and, and thinking critically about your business. 
Mm, that makes sense. So just to just to kind of catalyze a little bit more um, clarity around by proxy, can you say sort of like what makes it different from like a loop net, which is in the sort of commercial space? I, I just mm-hmm. want to make sure that the listeners understand exactly what by proxy is just in, in, in the case that there are people that are interested in, in working. With yeah, you. absolutely. So LoopNet um, is, is the oldest sort of like commercial listing platform out there mm-hmm. uh, owned by a company called CoStar. They function a lot like a Craigslist. Um, so right. there's a lot of, it's a lot, it's a lot of information um, and it's coming from a lot of different places. My proxy functions a little bit more. I said this in a podcast the other week, and I hate that I'm repeating myself here, um, but we function more like a dating app. So Mm. if I'm an investor and I have a specific investment criteria or deal profile I'm looking for, I will be matched directly with assets that fit that profile. Um, And what we do that's different is that we put that broker or that seller in touch with that investor off the bat. Um, We don't run people through sort of these marketing funnels that's like, send it to 5,000 people via an email blast. People love using the word email blast in this industry, which I hadn't heard for a bit. Um, so uh, usually that's how that goes. We're going to send out a mailer. <laughs> yep. Yep. The e- the e-blast is, is uh, I had, I had to kind of stifle um, uh, some laughter there the first time I was like, Oh, you were serious. Okay. Um, so I think, you know, the typical model is that like, you know, you send it to 5,000 people, you know, you hope that 200 people open it, and then you hope that, you know, you get X amount of click-throughs and X amount of CA signed. We're really taking that funnel and and sort of scrapping it and giving that broker that contact information right up front. Um, we don't believe in sort of like creating friction for the sake of creating friction. So if I'm a broker and I see that I've been matched with this investor, I can click on that investor's profile, understand more about the assets that they own or have under management, their experience in investing, a little bit more about their investment criteria, you know, whether they're looking for core, core plus, distressed value add, what what have you. And I can make a decision to start a conversation with that investor one-to-one. And, you know, when you start a conversation one-to-one and it's like, hey, I've got this asset, you look like you'd be a great match. We've been matched um, about this. Let's, you know, let's have a conversation that tends to work a lot better than sort of this like massive marketing funnel um, that that's sort of industry standard. Um, so that is at the core of, of our difference between like a LoopNet or a Crexy. And then we've built an entire um, ecosystem of transaction tools on top of that. Oh, I see. That's, that's absolutely amazing. So where can people find you, follow your story and engage with ByProxy if they want to um, set up a profile? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if you go to buyproxy.com, it's just buyproxy.com. Um, there is a sign up button in the upper right hand corner. You can go in and create your profile as an investor. It'll run you through some questions. Um, and then you can get into the platform and start uh, taking a look at what we have. Um, we are a closed marketplace, so you do need to create a profile in order to engage on our platform. Um, part of our community guidelines is that we um, we value, you know, completeness of information um, around people and around assets. So you do need a profile in order to look at assets. Um, but from there, you can you can see what we're up to. Um, there's more there's assets added every single day to our platform. Um, and we are uh, releasing new features. Every two weeks. 
Awesome. Well, it's been an honor and a pleasure to have you on the Action and Ambition podcast. I uh, I hope you'll come back and join us again after uh, some more time passes and let us know how things are going. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Take care. Yep. Bye. Thanks for listening to Action and Ambition with your host, Andrew Metal. Please leave a review and subscribe and go to andrewmetal.com for all the exclusive lessons, behind-the-scenes footage, and video content of the show. Follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Action and Ambition, and we'll see you on the next episode. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.